Welcome to In the Fire, a podcast for the young families of Chapelgate Presbyterian Church. Marriage and parenting are a wonderful blessing and are extremely rewarding, but they're also really hard and can leave us feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, and defeated. That's exactly why we started this podcast, to help families see how the gospel injects encouragement, comfort, and hope into the daily grind of our lives, and to remind you that you're never alone in the struggle. There is another in the fire. Hello, welcome to In the Fire. My name is Rob Gicking. I'm the director of Young Family Ministries here at Chapelgate Church, and I'm joined today by uh, a trio of Chapelgate employees, um, Frick and Amy Frierson and Lydia Radcliffe. The relationship dynamics in this podcast are sure to be a doozy, but uh, before we do that, um, Frick, why don't you get us started? We'll go around the horn, introduce yourselves, tell the listener uh, who you are, where you work, what you do, and, and about your involvement at Chapelgate. All right. Thank you, Rob. Uh, I'm Rick Fireson. We, as a family, have been at Chapel Gate Church now for 23 years. Um, and I've been at the academy for 23 years. I'm the assistant principal, assistant head of school, uh, also the basketball coach. And um, we moved here to come alongside our family. Amy had a, a sister who had MS, and that's what brought us up here 23 years ago. We've been here ever since. Great. Thank you. Uh, and since he mentioned you by name, Amy, why don't you go ahead and tell us who you are? All righty. Um, I'm Amy Frierson, and I'm married to Frick Frierson. <laughs> and I've worked, I've worked at the Academy for 10 years doing all kinds of different jobs. Um, my actual degree is in exercise science, but I've taught preschool. I've worked with the international students. I work with the used clothing closet wherever they need me i do i just jump in and do what's needed um, that's great yeah well thank you both for being here and lydia introduce yourself and how you you know these lovely folks uh, my name is Lydia Radcliffe, and these are my parents. So my maiden name is Frierson. Um, but yeah, I attended Chapelgate Academy and went and played soccer at Charleston Southern University and coached soccer at the University of Maryland. And now I've been back, uh, I guess this is my fourth, maybe fifth year. And uh, I coach women's soccer. I'm assistant athletic director with the school and um, communications coordinator with the church. Yeah, so the, the common theme here is both family uh, and Chapelgate and Chapelgate Academy, but also just uh, a slew of multi-talented uh, utility fielding people on this, this episode. So I, I can tell you, you guys, um, our church is so grateful for you. The school is grateful for you. And, and I'm grateful cool. that you're taking some time to be here with us today and, and share a little bit of your story. Now, I've asked um, this particular group here because we're, we're going to be talking today about um, discipline and um, specifically, you know, as we as parents try to raise our kids, that's something that we're going to come up against unless you have a perfect child. And as history shows, there was only ever one of those. Um, so the rest of us have to sort of live in the midst of having, you know, little sinners for children. So we're going to dive into that. But before we do, as always, here comes the hard hitting question of the day. Uh, we'll go around the horn again. It'll go Frick, Amy, Lydia. What non-traditional sport would you like to play professionally? What non-traditional sport of the following would you like to play professionally? Your options four square. Bicycle jousting, 
parkour, geocaching. All right. So Foursquare, bike jousting, parkour, and geocaching. And if if someone else claims it, that's off the table. So Frick, you get to go first. Of those four, which one do you like? That's an easy one for me. When I was in middle school, we used to have P units playing Foursquare. I loved Foursquare. That was a great game. That's so not sponsored, fair. Sponsored that's the only. The that's company. the only one. That's the only one I can do too. Four square. We're... Hey, you better figure out how to joust on a bike. I don't know what to tell you. I'll pick right, so geo, geocaching. I'll pick geocaching. Yeah. All right. And for those of you at home who might not know what geocaching is, I was homeschooled, so I learned what it was very quickly. <laughs> that's not a knock. It's just a fact. All right. But literally, you take a little GPS, like a tom tom, and you go out in the woods, and someone has hidden something at a particular like coordinate, you know, yeah. uh, and you go and you find it. And sometimes it's really exciting. Like it could be like an old army man. And other times it's like an outdated stale piece of like burrito. I, I don't know. It's you, the idea is that when you find it, you leave it there. So to call yeah. it a sport is it's a stretch, but I like it. It's a good pick. So now, uh, Lydia bike jousting or parkour. Uh, I think I'm going to go with bike jousting. I was going to say geocaching, but since that's taken, we'll go bike jousting. Wow. That leaves me parkour, which um, of all the things on this list, would I would be most definitely worst at. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my career would be short and, and very unrememberable. Unre so anyway. <laughs> all right. Um, so let's start with you, freaking Amy. Uh, talk to us a little bit about this thing of discipline in the life of a Christian. Um, maybe we can, we can start there just like generally speaking with discipline in the life of a Christian. Is this a good thing? Um, how do we reconcile discipline with grace, right? We're called to be gracious. You know, how do you, how do you reconcile those things? Well, I'll jump in there, I guess. Although I won't say this about the homeschool real quick. We homeschooled our kids and they must've missed the geocache thing because Geocaching. Our, our kids are a little bit older than Rob, I think. Not Lydia, but geocaching was just coming along towards the end of that. But that was the Bible why I picked it because I knew about it from being a homeschool mom. <laughs> yeah, as with the discipline uh, question, um, you know, the, the first thought there for me is is the fruit of the spirit, self control is. You know, we as parents and, and Christians in general need to embody that. That's that's one of the fruits of the Spirit, that we can discipline ourselves, that we don't need uh, outside, you know, sources to do that. And it all stems out of a relationship with the Heavenly Father. So, I mean, that, to me, that's that's it in a nutshell. Our, our discipline comes out of a relationship. It comes out of a relationship with the Heavenly Father. And as a parent, as a father, I'm the mirror of that, you know, down the line with with my own kids that's my first reaction to that question that's great amy what about you i totally agree with what he said i would just say when we had littles for our kids were four and four years so um I was overwhelmed initially with discipline when they all started showing their original sins and uh Frick being in education and just having a really great grasp on discipline, he gave me a lot of little tools that were incredibly helpful. Um, and 
I still use them when I'm working in a classroom or with Sunday school or wherever. It's, it's pretty amazing that, and I don't know if he's going to share some of that today, but. Well, so. we certainly hope you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that's, that's really interesting what you said, Amy, about feeling overwhelmed by discipline. I, and I think that's sure. a feeling a lot of our young families um, can relate to. I know that, that I certainly can because you know, it, it shows so quickly, right? I mean, um, it, it shows as soon as they can start crawling, right? Sometimes even before that, but as soon as they can crawl, what do they always want to touch? They want to touch outlets. They want to touch things they can't touch. And it doesn't matter how many times you, you say no and, and physically pick your child up and move them away. And again, that's for their benefit. You stick your finger in an outlet, you're a sad child, you know, like that's a bad thing. And, but kids right. will go right back to what you just took them away from. There's, there's something in us from a very young age that, um, that kind of doesn't want to follow a system. And, you know, we would call that original sin or, or, you know, total depravity or just like human nature. It doesn't really matter what you call it, but we definitely see that it's there. It's true. And I think that's where discipline comes in. I, I think through Proverbs has a lot to say about discipline, specifically from a parent to a child. But one of the passages in Proverbs twenty nine seventeen says, discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. There's this idea that discipline really is, um, like you said, Frick, it's, it's relational, right? And um, as we grow and we mature, certainly we, we develop you know, the, the fruit of the spirit of self-discipline. But there is a sense which lifelong here on earth, we fall under the discipline, which is loving of our Heavenly Father. And so um, having that sort of as the backdrop, uh, I guess I would ask this. Um, it, you know, as, as you guys parented and Lydia, we'll, we'll kind of follow up with you after this, but like, as you guys parented your kids when they were young, did you see a, a difference between discipline and punishment? Yeah. So, I mean, and also I would throw in here too, you have the heavenly father as our example. And you mentioned the Hebrews 12 passage where the father loves to be disciplined. So, you know, motivation, again, talking about relationship. But in our situation, it's tough because you have a sinner disciplining a sinner, and that's a real factor, and that's part of the equation. That's That makes it even harder um, is that that's what's going on. For us, and Amy sort of talked about this because it was very helpful for me. I, we, I was old. We're both the youngest of six kids. I had, we both grew up in Christian homes, so we had good examples of um, Christian parenting. We had um, our own parents to reflect on. We had older brothers and sisters, and, you know, we were around them all the time. So we had some really good examples. And then being in education, you learn, supposedly, <laughs> how, to, how to discipline the right way. And then also, I had been in, in in schools for a while. I was older when we had kids. Our oldest, I was thirty when we had our first kid. So, all that stuff is important background for what worked for us. I'm not a single parent. Um, mm. You know, I don't have a blended family. There, there's all kinds of things that can that can impact. Um, you know, your spouse's health. As we, I mentioned, we moved up here there's a family member in the home that, um, you know, requires a lot of all these different contexts, but I think, you know, the bottom line is the relational piece of it. And, and, uh, as far as, you know, the consequence and the, and the discipline and the punishment part of it, 
I think sometimes we can put pressure on ourselves as a parent and even as a teacher that you have to deliver some consequence when your when your child or your student doesn't do the right thing. If if it's relational, really all it, my humble opinion, really all that needs to happen is conversation, and from the conversation, you you know from there you may determine that that something more is needed or. Maybe there's some reconciliation that needs to happen uh, or restitution of something was, you know, the child broke something, you know, those kind of things. But I think the context of, of where you're operating from is, is something to consider, too, as a parent when you when you have that. But especially knowing that as a Christian, I'm a fallen person, too. And, and that, you know, those are kind of, I would call that context for, for disciplining. Oh, and I might follow up on that. Um, I think on the to a sinner, raising a sinner is the most incredible way you can ever teach your kids about Jesus is the fact that you're constantly sinning and asking forgiveness and they see the Christian life as a, as a young, I mean, I had to ask my kids for forgiveness as soon as they could understand that I lost my temper. I, whatever the thing was, you know, it's, it's a constant relational thing. And I think that is one of the, um, I know Lydia's got words to say, <laughs> but I think that's a way your kids see Jesus in you is when you're living out that relationship and your own sinful, they see, they don't, you're not perfect. And they, they know that too. Yeah, I, I think that's really, that's powerful. I, I like what you both said, you know, you're sinners, right? Parenting sinners. And um, yeah, let, let's, let's come back to that in a second. I mean, Lydia, what was your experience, I guess, growing up in a house with believing parents who, who did, did lovingly discipline you? Yeah, it's actually so crazy because I was thinking through the questions you sent and the biggest thing I was going to say is with kids I coach and even my friends growing up, like I wanted to do the right thing because I loved my parents, not because they were going to buy me something or told me like, okay, if you do this, you get ice cream or, you know, if you, whatever you get this, it was like, I wanted to do the right thing because they showed me in their lives that that's what we do. Like you don't get a reward to do the right thing. That's just, we should just do that because that's what we're called to do to live a life for Jesus. So it's funny that, I mean, I guess they did a good job because we all came back to that same conclusion, but yeah, just the mm -hmm. relationship. I mean, I think that my parents did a great job of showing us what the Christian life looked like just being, you know, monkey see monkey do. I mean, we would do what our parents did. And so, you know, I saw, I remember seeing them reading their Bibles by themselves, praying, loving each other, loving us, like playing with us, spending time with us, asking forgiveness, all those things. So then when you grow up, it's like you do what you see. And I see that with kids, I train and coach like all the time. I'm like bad habits that they've learned from their parents, things they say that you're like, Oh man, where did you get that from? And probably their parents. Um, I don't know if that answers the question fully, but it was, it was really great. And I didn't realize how rare it was, I think fully until I got to college and I just saw the hatred that some of my, my friends had for their parents and how excited they were to be out of their house and have their own freedom. And I was sitting there like, wow, I, I want to go home. <laughs> I love, I, I love how our house was and still is like just a safe place. And I've never had like bad feelings of there. It's like, I, I want to be at our house. We want to all be together. It's like, that's 
you know, the ultimate, just such a great time together. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I, I think what's, what's interesting is it seems right. And I'm going to use a, that's a dangerous word seem, but it seems a little bit like we're, we're trending in a direction culturally that, that says, you know, it's almost like bad to discipline the discipline, telling your child that they're wrong, telling your child that they, they, you know, they're not perfect and they're not, you know, the most wonderful thing ever. It, like you're a bad parent if you don't do those things. And yet there's a sense in which it, it seems Lydia, like your experience growing up was that you actually felt safer, that it produced, it, it instilled a greater peace, less anxiety because you were in a household where, you know, that discipline, which comes from love, produced in you love. I mean, it sounds to yeah. me like what you're saying is like, yeah, I didn't do it for the lollipop. I did it for a different reward. That reward was knowing that your parents loved you and that you loved them. Yeah. Yeah. And it is so interesting seeing like, just, I need mean, that we might talk about this later more, but the kids I coach, they, they want this. Oh, I, I did this. Don't I get something now? This like immediate gratification type thing. And, um, it is even when I'm coaching them, I'm not a parent, so I can only imagine, but it is easy to, when they're like frustrated or upset to just be like, okay, well, if you do this, you're going to get this. But I think another thing that my parents did a good job of is they let us mess up and they let us fail. And we had to deal with it and talk about it and what that meant. So then going through, you know, division one athletics that taught me a lot about that, but knowing that sometimes just cause you do the right thing, it doesn't mean it's always going to work out for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, for, go ahead, Frick. Oh, sorry. I was just, I'm thinking uh, out loud here a little bit, but um, by the time we had kids, I had worked in a, um, I taught school in a psychiatric hospital and I taught school in the juvenile justice system. And then we had kids and then I went to the public school and we were homeschooling our own kids and, you know, now I'm at a Christian school. But, and so there was a lot of that, um, you know, behavior management kind of stuff which is good. I mean, I, I use it to this day, <laughs> but there's a deeper level to that. And so when you, when you think about discipline versus punishment, the word disciple from a Christian point of view, that, that's sort of really what you're doing when you're disciplining. It's not handy meeting out consequences. You're, you're discipling your kid, just like you're a disciple of Christ and being discipled by the Lord. You're hopefully trying to disciple your, your, your student or your child. And, um, the passage that comes to mind is Deuteronomy six, where as you go, it just you're just you're doing life with your kid. And I was, you know, that was one of the things that I think I learned as a teacher is I'm just going to start. I just we just talk to our kids about whatever. You know, you don't have to have the talk or when do I talk about drugs or when do I talk about this or. You're, you're always talking. And again, it just gets back to the relational part of it. I'm always talking about life. I see something in the corner in our neighborhood. We'll talk about that. And it really doesn't matter what age they are. Of course, the conversation will be age appropriate, but the topic can be talked about really at, at, at any age. And, and coaching, there's this phrase, transactional coaching versus transformational coaching. And transactional coaching is kind of what Lydia is talking about. So as a parent, you want it to be transformational, not this business deal, transactional. Uh, like I'll give you a scholarship in sports if you play soccer for me. But transformational is it, it, the sport might be where we do life, but we're going we're to do life and learn from it and develop character. 
out of it, if that makes sense. Sort of uh, going back to a little bit what Lyd said, um, the other thing with that same thing is I think it's if as a parent early on, if you, for, for me, I mean, I remember having this adjustment in my mind that I had to actually think about that the kids weren't the center of the household. And that is like a, it, it, it's a, it's a tricky thing as a mom or a dad because your life totally revolves around them. It doesn't mean you don't have life revolve around them, but that you're constantly, that the children are a part of this family that's already existing. And it's Jesus is the center. Mommy and daddy's relationship is the center. And then the kids are part of that. And I think that's a, a worldview that kind of leads into all of that too. But I, I do remember as a young mom actually having to make myself think that way almost on a daily basis. Let's go back to the sinner, like sinful parent, right? I mean, I, I appreciate you guys. You're really sharing your struggles. And I think on one hand, that's really life-giving, right? Because it, it helps me know that I'm not alone, but at the same time, I think there can be a temptation to maybe look at your child and look at yourself and go, well, you know, I struggled with X, Y, Z when I was their age. So how, who am I to tell them to, you know, to, to tell them they can't do X, Y, Z. I struggle with it too. What would you say to that parent who's maybe looking at their own life and going, you know, well, when I was that age, I was the same way. So how can I, how can I hold my child to a different standard than I, I lived out at their age? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a, that's a great conversation and that's a life lesson. And you share that story age appropriate, of course, but you share that story with them and say, wow, if anything, I understand you this on this situation. Let's, I couldn't beat that by myself. I struggle with this myself. I still struggle with this today. Uh, let's pray about it. Let's talk about it. Let's the Bible have to say about it, but we still can't, you or I have got to, Get away from that. You together, we're going to do. We're going to beat this together. We're going to work together through this. I, uh, and it doesn't have to be a bad thing. That that can be a freeing thing. I have the freedom to be honest with 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 my kid about that. But I think that would be my thought there. Uh, can I? And I'll throw this in there too. Kids' success is not the is not the definer of your parenting. And that's, that's important to remember, too, I think. It's not a performance. You're, you're just called to build a relationship. If your kid doesn't make straight A's, if your kid doesn't get first seat cello or whatever, whatever it is, that's, that's okay. The, the goal is not to raise a, you know, some superstar person. Your goal is to raise a person as a relationship with Christ. And when they leave your house, they have the fruit of the Spirit self-discipline they have the fruit of the spirit self-control and it may not even happen when they leave the house but that's not necessarily a reflection on your parenting and i think you know as for me as a younger dad you know you can think well, why isn't this working because this is what they said was going to work when you raised your kid and uh, that's that's a lie and it's not true <laughs> it doesn't mean you're a bad parent if everything's not falling the way it's supposed to fall. We live in a fallen world. That's, that's life. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I, 
I think what you said, you said two things there that I think are, are really noteworthy um, for, for as a young dad, it's, you know, my goal is not to raise superstar, successful, athletic, intelligent, you know, like if, if our children turn out that way, fantastic. Of course we want that for them. We want what's best for them. Um, but at, at the end of the day, like my goal as a Christian is that I would, you know, like you said in Deuteronomy, as I go, that I'd be imparting you know, the love of God to the best of my ability to my children. And part of that obviously is going to be, it's going to be discipline. It's going to be helping them see the way they should go so that when they're older, they do not depart from it. Um, so that they could see what it looks like day in and day out to have that, to have the love of Christ be, uh, a steady presence in their life. I think that was really, really good. Amy, I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about as a as a mom, as a young mom, you know, how did you? I guess what were what were some of those moments, or what were some of those things that you sort of picked up on that were, you know, effective means of helping your children see the love of God when they had done something wrong. So again, I just said that when initially that was a struggle for me, uh, especially when all of a sudden. The fourth one was the, when, when our fourth child, we were living in Columbia, South Carolina. And when our fourth child was born, all four of our kids were born there. And my parents who, my dad was a pastor and he was, my parents had been very helpful. They were the only grandchildren in the same town. They decided to move up to Maryland to help my sister. And that initial year was, a, was really tough. For me when when frick would go to work <laughs> which was every day <laughs> so, so that was a problem but um but one of the things he kind of coined this phrase that we used called the five p's and wrote it down for me and gave me but it, it doesn't really matter what the p's are and i don't know if he can he might talk about that but the thing that it did was it helped me get when we were in a situation where i might lose my temper or get angry it gave me a little bit of a robotic way to be where I was consistent, where I could be consistent and, and talk through this, this little five piece. And sometimes it was a great talk and sometimes it was a terrible talk. It didn't really matter. It was just that I was doing the same thing every time. And your kids start to, to uh, you know, they respond to that. They kids just thrive on consistency and, routine. And I mean, and I think that that's biblical. I can't give you the Bible verse, but I know Fricker, you can pull it out. <laughs> You're a preacher. You can pull it out. But like just this, those things, um, that really helped me so much. And then when we moved to Maryland, we helped raise my nephew and, um, he had, had a lot of struggles just being from a house where his mother was chronically ill. And a lot of that was so helpful for him too, I think. Yeah, that was one thing that when I was thinking through the questions of like just my childhood and growing up in that consistency was like huge. It wasn't ever like, how am I going to get punished? Like I could tell you, like if I did this, I would probably get this. And then we would pray together and cry together and it would all be good. And our family still operates like poor John, my husband, he had to come into this, but like, if there's an issue, like, boom, we work through it, like right there in front of everyone. It's, it's crazy, but it's, it's consistent and it hasn't changed. And I think that builds that security and, and even just the consistency of 
my dad's schedule, like I can, I can remember, like he's going to get home and we're going to play together and then we're going to do a devotional at dinner and we're going to go to bed and read the Bible before bed and all the different things like Sunday mornings or Sunday nights, we're going to share what we learned in Sunday school. Like all of those things built that trust, I think underlying and just the, the consistency was so key to even now. I mean, I'm, I would say that I'm very close with both my parents and know that they would do anything for me. So I think that just the little things that build up um, the trust are there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just even like, I'm investigating, right. I'm, I'm listening to you all share with almost like, um, an, an investigator's mind. And I'm picking up on this huge theme that, that discipline without love is harshness. Um, but love that comes from the gospel will produce loving discipline that seeks to, to correct when wrong, but to encourage when right. And it sounds to me like that, that really was a little bit of, of that MO for you guys moving forward. And I got to ask Frick, what, what on earth are the five P's? <laughs> Wait, can I say one thing before he says the five oh, yeah, P's? Yeah. Well, I'll just go back to what Lyd said. Um, and she kind of talked about this, but we fight like, like, like she was just kind of, you know, it's not like we're, we're but the, the, I think the difference is right away, we work through it. It's, it's nothing, there's no going to bed with anger and there's no, you know, it's, it's, it, it's not that there's this perfect, oh, everybody gets along great. And the but siblings you might fight. Feel awkward that, if you first get into it, cause you're like, oh, wow. Like they just had a fight and they're fixing it right now in front of everyone. <laughs> and but like, so, it just happens and everybody makes up and then you just move on. So, it, so it's, yeah, I guess that's what I was going to say, but go ahead. Mr. Uh, Fireson, what are the five yeah, P's? The five P's. I got, I know I stole that somewhere and then I Christianized it a little bit. <laughs> but the five P's um, was the, when you're, when a child does something, and I still do it. I do discipline at the school and every school I've ever been at. It's kind of been my world. But, you know, the, the first, you just, it just like, it allows you to gather yourself. It allows, you don't have to say anything. You're just asking questions. The five P's are five question words. And it allows you to control your temper. It just allows you to distance yourself for a second. But they are, the first one is you, you pull them aside. There's a problem. Maybe they had a fight with a brother. You pull them aside, away from everybody else, might go to a different room, whatever. And just ask, what's the problem? You know, why am I talking? At school now, I say all the time, why, why did I call you over here? Or if they got sent out of class, you know, why did they send you here? What's the problem? Let them do the talking. Um, and then what's, and I, and I would not, the only reason this is, a, I use this word is because it starts with a P. But what's the punishment? Really, is a better word is what's the consequence? Because you can ask them, you know, what's, what's the consequence? The consequence the best ones are natural consequences. So if they can see that, they're going to say that. You know, I lost trust or I lost my temper or I broke something, whatever it is. So the first piece, what's the problem? Uh, the second one is, is what's the punishment but slash consequence? And then what's a potential solution? So I just ask, you know, what do you need to do? Well, I need to apologize for, you know, for little kids. I need to apologize to my brother for smacking upside the head or whatever it was and then prepare for re-entry you just talk about what are we getting ready to leave here what are we going to do how are we going to handle this 
you know, we want it to be a good apology. So how or whatever it's going to be prepare for reentry is the fourth one. And then you have a prayer with them and then we're on our merry way. So you, you go to five P's and you may not end up saying they may a lot of times end up solving the problem themselves because it's pretty, they're pretty basic questions. You lost your temper, you punched him, you do apologize. And apology may be the consequence. You, you don't necessarily need to spank them. Again, um, if they broke something, then the consequence may be that they need to fix. It. Does that make sense? But those are the, those are the famous five P's. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. So just to review, that's what's the problem. What, what's the punishment? You talked about that. That could be a C. It could be a, a hidden P there. Consequence, yeah. uh, the potential solution, uh, the preparing for reentry and a prayer. I think that is fabulous. And, and I love the example you give too, because oftentimes we look at, we look at discipline exclusively from a punitive standpoint, right? Like you said, like, okay, maybe, maybe one child hit another child. And so there's this, there's this like, you know, I, I know that my listeners, like they know exactly what to talk about. You watched it happen. You're like, you, you just had a, you had, you know, a freak out moment in your brain where you're like, Oh my gosh, that was evil. Like that was an evil thing. My child just did. They hit their sibling like, Oh, and you have this like burning fire of justice. You want to bring down wrath upon your child. But then you start to like, you know, as an adult, you start to like, in the moment you like rationalize you're like so am i about to teach my child not to hit his brother by hitting my child this doesn't make any sense so i love that there is a beautiful process there the problem the punishment the potential solution preparing for reentry and prayer i also love that it's it's not without jesus to to not pray it, i mean to not for you as a parent not to be praying you're missing out, but for you not to pray with your child in the midst of their, of their fallenness in the midst of their sin, it, you, you, you guys, when you do that, I mean, Lydia, I want to hear from you, like having been a, a recipient, a beneficiary of the five P's process, uh, you know, like how did that sh change your perspective of God, the heavenly father, that even when you failed prayer was right there. I mean, talk to me, talk to me about that. Yeah. I mean, I think I subconsciously do that with kids. I train too. I mean, obviously I can't pray with them all the time, but a lot of the times they, you know, talk it out, but I mean, I learned so much about my walk with Jesus and, and life through sports. And I think discipline is such a big part of sports. And, um, so I, I feel like the most pressing, like understanding of all that I would translate it to soccer for me. And, you know, like even if I was frustrated after a game or something, my dad would say, you know, 15 minute rule. And we like, I'd vent it out, get all my anger out. And then we'd pray about it. And then I'd got, okay, look on to the next, like what's next. How can I learn from this? Like, how can I, so even in sports, we were learning a lot about like the discipline piece or just like how life doesn't work out. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think for me, I just, my dad has always been an example um, of like prayer is such a constant thing throughout the day. Like he would say, you know, whenever you hear the bell ring at school, like say a prayer, like things like that. So prayer was so implemented in our life. And, um, like I said, if I was in trouble, I knew what was going to happen. So I knew we were going to pray about it at the end. And so, I mean, not that it wasn't like, I wasn't scared to get in trouble. Of course I didn't want to get in trouble, but I also knew my parents loved me because it always ended with, it didn't end with this like unresolved tension. We prayed together and we moved on and we moved forward. And so I think, yeah, it was just really helpful to understand that 
the, the Lord disciplines us, but it doesn't necessarily mean everything's over and we can't have that relationship anymore. Yeah, I, I'm like literally thinking of Hebrews 12 when you said that, Lydia. Verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Um, Frick, Amy, Lydia, thank you guys so much for sharing um, your story, your hearts with us. I know that for me as a young dad, um, regardless of whether anybody else listens to this or not, I, I have benefited greatly. And, um, you know, I, I do think these five P's are great. I think that um, discipline often falls into a category of something you either do or don't do. But I, I really appreciate that actually even more than I was hoping for today. I think what you've painted for us is a vision of, of biblical parenthood. Um, that seeks to instill love to our children and recognizes that part of love is going to be helping them see that even when they make mistakes, even when they're wrong, even when they sin, God still loves them and there may still be consequences. And we can live in a world for now where both are true um, and we don't have to live where one is true and not the other. And so thank you guys so much for, for your time, for being here, for sharing your stories. Lydia, thank you for, uh, you know, we'll get the real scoop on another episode, you know, the inside <laughs> track <Sounds laughs> on Lydia's childhood. But no, seriously, thank you guys so much for being here. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. As always, thank you so much for listening to In the Fire. We're so glad you've chosen to uh, spend the past half hour with us. If you want to learn more about Chapel Gate or you have questions about the ministries we have or how you can connect as a young family, please reach out. My contact info is in the show notes below. And just as a closing thought, I, I spoke with Frick, Amy, and Lydia a little more after uh, the interview had ended. And um, Frick really wanted me to stress this, and I think it's so nice uh, of him to remind us of this, is that those five Ps and, and things that they've shared today is what's worked for their family. And Part of the difficulty of moving forward as a parent is to learn your children and what works for you in your family dynamic. And I think we all would feel that the main thing to remember here is this. There are no perfect parents. There are no perfect kids. But there is a perfect Jesus, and he loves you perfectly. And so as you continue on in this wonderful journey, um, yeah, look for, for ways that you can practically move forward into improving your parenting, improving your marriage, but understand that what worked for one person might work for you and it might not. And in either case, um, we hope you know that, that we love you and we're here for you. And if we can be an encouragement in any way, don't hesitate to reach out. Until then, uh, thanks for joining us in the fire. We'll see you next week.